This is Jeremy Scahill, author of Dirty Wars, and you're listening to KBOO, Portland, 90.7. KBOO is looking for our next membership director. KBOO's members are the heart and soul of our community, and we need a dedicated person to honor and foster this relationship. Are you the right person to steward and manage KBOO's membership department, or do you know someone who is? Go to kboo.fm to learn more about the essential functions of the membership director and the qualifications we are looking for. You can also apply by mailing your resume and cover letter to KBOO Radio, 20 Southeast 8th Avenue, Portland, Oregon, 97214. Members make KBOO happen. Help us show them how much they do. The places that died, died. The places that died, died. They were all great places, and they died. The Greek cuisine was a great place to smash some dishes while dancing. Randy Leonard looked at, saw fire hazards all the way down the stairs. Find the owner so much he closed it down. The fire hazard's still there. Everyone else is gone. The places that died, died. The places that died, died. They were all great places, and they died. Cameron's Books was Portland's oldest bookstore. Crystal bought it just before COVID. She tried to keep it going, but the TV news claimed the riots hurt business. But they never mentioned the landlord trying to evict her three times. The fourth time was the charm. The places that died, died. The places that died, died. They were all great places, and they died. You are listening in KBO Portland, 90.7 Air FM dial. This is Talking Earth. My name is Patrick Bocard. I am the board op and sometime host of Talking Earth. Tonight, we, our theme is the places that died, died. Specifically, a business I used to work with, work at, Everty Music on Sandy Boulevard. Little did I know when I wrote that poem that eventually I could write a part of it another extension of that poem about where I worked. Who knows? You never know. Tonight, I'm going to discuss that with my two of my ex-coworkers, Arya Imig and Stephen Meads, both of them poets. And I'm also going to discuss uh, Cafe Lena with its former owners, Leanne Grable and Steve Sander, who two very well-known poets in the Portland area. So uh, I'm sitting here on a bench in southeast Portland with my now ex-co-worker, because we no longer work at uh, Everdeen Music, is uh, Pink Floyd's The Wall is going to start in just a minute, <laughs> but uh, uh, Stephen uh, Meads is uh, here to read some poetry and just talk about uh, a place we used to work at that he worked at much longer than no longer I worked at like that specific location longer but you you've done time and toil in all of the everydays for a significantly longer portion of time than me um, I, I was at the Beaverton store for quite a while Right. So. I was not downtown for very long yeah. I have to say, that was like more like a year, and then I went out to Beaverton, and then I uh, 
filled in a little bit, and then I went out to the Sandy store, and that was like three years. Yeah. Beaverton was a little different in that the building is still exists. We just moved out of the space, and we had to clean it all up. So it's like I could I could go by there right now and go take a look at the liquor store that replaced us that still feeds the feral cats out back. <laughs> so and that's what's really important as far as that. That's fair. But currently the location as of like recording this, I don't know as of distribution, but as of the recording, the location of the Everyday Music Store on Sandy Boulevard is still physically intact, although the building is being shelled out because of asbestos issues or some such thing, which I may or may not touch on. I'm gonna read uh, two poems, maybe? Cool. Uh, they're poems that I wrote in the last two months of working at Everyday Music with the understanding that we were going out of business. Uh, and so, in theory, they reflect that they might not. Uh, this is uh, this is a piece called uh, On City Rhythm Series Number Two. Someone on the Portland Art Tax Art Installation Approval Board greenlit the City Rhythm Series in like 2019 or 2020. There are plaques that are posted on various telephone poles around the side streets of Portland with a line or so, a vaguely poetic scrawl on them, such as the sounds of people laughing people living. They're pat phrases. Perhaps you might be hearing some of those city rhythms in the background right now. They're probably supposed to make one think about life. To me, they seem to mostly inspire the idea of how potentially insipid and pretentious art can feel, which is rough. You know, at this point, most of the city rhythm signs have been defaced, which in my opinion is the real art. The stickers and graffiti tags cluttering someone's hopes of highlighting the sound of quote-unquote children playing, children growing, placed outside the school playground. Currently, I'm living through city rhythms, which is to say unseen hands of development culling buildings and displacing residents, or the shadow of joblessness which towers over me for the first time in a decade, this fresh wash of high rises, a whole new crop of people who don't share my history with the place. I miss when Portland was new for me, but really what I mean is I miss the freedom of cheap rent and the security that was offered to me at a time by my parents who were still fairly trustworthy in this city which felt so safe and comfortable. It's not that it isn't anymore. I think what's ironic about the City Rhythm series is how after only a few months of going up, uh, COVID happened and it urged most people to stay indoors, right? The sounds supposedly highlighted by the City Rhythms, uh, like the daily mercy of coffee and bread, all gone eerily quiet. Time is its own extra layer of City Rhythm. The shape of our lives, which is endlessly scrawled over by all the tags we go through, the observations that have only become interesting after the world has worked them over for a while, no wonder trying to be a new thing somewhere feels daunting. How scary it is to have to start over with so much value lost on my time this time. I am no longer weird art in quiet repose or whatever. 
Now I am gritty, run-down marker silenced by my own attempts to highlight the city I live in. I am lack of purpose or ambition. I am people in their homes struggling to come out. The seasons coming and going. The quiet breaks under the wrecking ball of a city leveling crew. People take their masks off and maybe this time no one dies. I hope. I hope for that. At some point. The city rhythm becomes people laughing again. My fear is that no one will ever get to see those installations greenlit in a comforting way. That's a poem. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you. Um, yeah. Uh, when when we were talking about this particular episode, right? You kind of asked like to write about the understanding of place. So I think that really influenced. Yeah what I was trying to like take into it. And I don't know if I ever fully captured it. There's all this rhetoric on, you know, various like, I don't know, community sites next door, Facebook and stuff about the degradation of Portland over time. And I want to be clear, like in my personal existence, I don't feel that. Yeah. Um, if anything, I think it's been a wild and challenging several years and I'm certainly, um, sort of hollowed out in losing my job, uh, which I'm sure you share as we both worked there. I love selling records to people. Yeah. Those like weird kind of uh, superfluous gig in the grand scheme of things, but none, nonetheless something that often makes me feel really important in weird ways where people would come in and, and share like a, a story of me or a coworker of mine having played something that they first encountered in our store or recommended something that they'd never heard of before and how kind of impactful that was. And that kind of stuff is really special and I, I'm gonna miss it a lot. Uh, I know even, even if I get another job in like media retail, I know it's not gonna be the same space and, and so I'm cognizant of that. No, no, it's, I mean, the only thing I was going to say is that I, I mean, I moved here in 92, late 92, and I get weirded out when people mention old Portland. <laughs> yeah. Old, old Portland to me is like Sunday, there's not much going on, and you actually had a poetry slam, but that wasn't when I first got here. I had, that started in like 94, 95. Yeah. Yeah, just... It, there wasn't as much going on, and I feel like we kind of moved back to that a little bit. That's like the... And then there are probably people who, like, think of old Portland as bad Portland from the late 80s, early... I mean, the late 80s and before, where, you know, like, there was a lot of terrible things that happened back then. And yeah. nobody really wants to think about it. You don't want coming back. I've got one more, uh, like, weird piece. And again, this is a... This was written, like, while we were actively in the middle of going through closing our store. Um, so I'll read this real quick, and uh, maybe we'll chat a little bit more about yeah. that, and then we'll wrap it. Here it goes. This is, uh, this is the obligatory everything must go poem. You know, even now people are walking into the store sometimes, and they just stop. They're awed by the space. Or, or something like that. They don't even know where to begin. People walk in and they ask, why are you guys closing? Like, I am one of the people making that decision. Like, what I'm saying is I need them to use the royal you less. 
Things responsible for us closing include capitalism, time, local government land use tax policies, the forces of gentrification, environmental impact studies that showed excess chemical concentrate in the soil. I feel like people don't understand or don't want to understand how big and mundane and complex and tied together everything is. So I mean, folks will come into the store and they'll ask if we're moving, we're not, and why we aren't moving, late notice, too much product, and then they'll say that they know the perfect location, they don't, for us to go to. Few to very few will share sympathies for us who are losing our jobs, which makes sense, but feels different when you know, the average time spent working at this location is about a decade per employee, mostly though. I wonder how it will look when, you know, post everything, it's torn down, the, the rubble, the piles and structures that might come next. I think of how just in the last five or six years, Sandy Boulevard has added a considerable chunk of five and six story megaplexes, reconfigured a bit more skyline and made a whole new city that will make someone else marvel at its changes in another decade. Time gets to everything over time and then we never seem to get enough of it. And we just stumble into life occasionally in wonder and then ask why we are still here. Oh, I love that ending. Oh, thank you. It's completely different than what I would have done. That's, that's, that, I love that ending. I hope you read those in the Poetry Slam if you haven't already. I'll try. I'll find, I'll find a reading somewhere at some point. I've been slow to returning, but uh, you know, readings are returning in person. I think to, to highlight one of the things you're saying about um, the return to the idea of old Portland or new Portland or the return to old Portland. Like I think Portland for me, my first encounter with this city is probably like 2005 was like the first time I came up and I'm, I didn't move here until 2011. I visited probably somewhere in the neighborhood of like six or seven more times in between that kind of space, uh, including like a few like week long stays where I was job hunting. Um, and just crashing with friends on their on their sofas or in their on their couches um, but I, I really do feel like um, yeah like we go th we've gone through even in my time here just like there'll be like a ton of art and readings and magic happening and then there's like a series of venue closures and then uh, it feels like a lot of a lot of like art kind of dissipates for a moment and then it comes back and I think COVID was obviously because the in-person loss of so much venue uh, space and culture for a while was incredibly impactful in this sense of like oh everything's gone and now I just kind of sit at home yeah. don't know what to do stuff is coming back and it's really wonderful we went to a reading that I'd never been to uh, before personally uh, that one of our co-workers read at who I'm sure is sharing this program with us Arya Imig uh just uh last weekend at um kelly's olympian and it was wonderful um it's really joyous to see that stuff back and i'm hoping to like get out and participate more in that part at least for now uh you know obviously I got, we've got a job hunt at some point in the future <laughs> yes. i i feel like i've approached this uh assignment and i'm gonna sound like one of the many complaints about sort of modern day like left-leaning progressives in the city where 
you just want to coast and not do anything with your life and yeah. that's not necessarily the case like, uh, no, you know, I don't necessarily want to do what everyone else has planned for sure <laughs> yeah I think it's I think it's the the combination of uh, I just spent 10 years uh, in one job that I really loved and now I've got to like really think about who I am without that again before yeah. I can like go into the next job hunt and part of me you know thinking always involves uh, writing and uh, recontextualizing and, and making art and then that almost almost by force of will seems to necessitate wanting to share it and finding those spaces so that's kind of like my focus no. at least for a couple weeks yeah. before I get serious about a job yeah I haven't, I haven't, I haven't even filed yet so. I've got tabs open I, I went to a, a, a bus hiring event and oh. I wasn't ready I wasn't ready for it maybe so the city will be Yeah. You have an identity as someone who works somewhere, and it's, uh, you know, you got to, I mean, changing, it's, it's a big change. Yeah. For 10 years, I've been a record store guy. Yeah, uh, I've, uh, I've you've been done a it. record store guy since, like, I moved here, like, yeah. 93. Like, 93. Like I foolishly decided I was going to, like, work at a record store <laughs> when I should have done something else. And, and then you were trapped, and then it became who you were. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a determined. Uh, the, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure my well, no, my wife was probably happy I worked at the record store, but at the same time, she probably would prefer I made more money. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm uh, in the same boat. I'm sure, your partner. Yeah, your partner may believe the same thing too. Um, but yeah, no, it's. Uh, I mean, it's also I just don't like seeing things fall apart and wither away. I mean, I, I where I live. Out here, where we're recording, it seems like there's a lot more thriving, which you can hear right now in the background. <laughs> Whereas where I live, actually, one of the weird things was I was getting on the bus to come here, and there's an area, it's like a parking lot right by Deadstock, and right by uh, where Theo's used to be, which recently closed because they can't afford to stay open. And there's like a upper playground is closed. There's like a whole bunch of empty oh, yeah, places just right everything there. is gone. But there were like a whole bunch of people hanging out in that parking lot. And yeah, maybe, you know, like the leaders of this town would think that look down upon them. But at the very least, they're, they're there and they're hanging out in the middle of the block, which is, it's always a bad thing when there's no one around. Yeah, it's like, there's, there's like the questions of like, what do you, what do you want to see from your society and your community? And I mean, like, one of the things that I love seeing is just people exploring and appreciating the space. Um, you know, going back to the first thing I read, just the city rhythms, like that's what those signs are supposed to do. And I totally get that. I'm not trying to like harp on them or anything. It was like a jumping off point for my writing. Um, but I do appreciate that idea that you go somewhere and it's not just about like kind of blandly walking through your, your time. Uh, you know, but you interact with the environment as we, we've been doing here and this time. We're in a bench in a park and getting to meet people and seeing people come and go. Yeah. Um, Patrick, I want to thank you so much. Thanks for coming on the show, Stephen, again. Absolutely. Um, love having you on. Hope to have you on some other time at a better, maybe better time and good luck to you. Thank you. You as well. My next guest, Leanne Grable, is a writer, illustrator, performer, and retired 
special education teacher. She has written, produced many, written and produced many spoken word multimedia shows, including The Lighter Side of Chronic Depression, The Little Poet, and Anger the Musical. I really wanted Anger the Musical to be the last one in that sentence. Her books include Lonesome and Very Quarrelsome Heroes, Flirtations, Bad Girls, Gold Shoes, and Brontosaurus. Leanne and her husband, Steve Sander, are the founders of Cafe Lena, Portland's legendary cafe and poetry hub of the 1990s. You have some books coming out, correct? Yes, I do. One very soon, which is the um, graphic novel version. Well, I guess it's a, I don't know what you would call it. it names have been changed. It's kind of a memoir, but it's stretched. Uh, version of Brontosaurus called Brontosaurus Illustrated, which is coming out from the opiate books and the official release date is July 1st and it's going to be available all the everywhere and I'm very proud of it. It's um, two years ago one summer I did like 300 drawings after I read this book Marbles by Ellen Forney about being diagnosed bipolar and she had illustrated and I thought great combination of this heavy topic with drawing. So that's what it is. And it's all black and white and it's great. I love it. So that's that. And then Not Until Fall, a book of illustrated prose poems called My Husband's Eyebrows, which is pretty much about long marriage and Steve. Okay. So those two. And I should be having a reading at Broadway Books for both of them in the fall. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so. Uh, After a long drought, because I mean, the original version of Brontosaurus came out from Quiet Lion Press in 11 years ago. So. Um, Has it been that long? It's been that long, you know. Okay. I thought you had something recent, more recent than that. Well, though. I had gold shoes. Okay. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, some life <laughs> comes back. You know. <laughs> Long marriage. Yes. 30 what, months. Yeah, what years. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It has its ups and downs, indeed, which are very, it's a very honest book. My husband's eyebrows. Good. Since the theme of this, this show is kind of uh, places going away or businesses, and right. I felt it was important to have someone on who had actually owned a business. Right because everyone else that I have had on either worked with me and didn't own a business or uh, they were people I knew that I randomly ran into that uh, bemoaned the loss of businesses they went to, which is kind of close to what my coworkers and I feel too, actually. Right. And I was hoping to get a, a little bit different perspective on it. Well, um, the you know, this woman... Teresa Kennedy Dupay has written a book of dead Portland restaurants and oh. cafe. It's coming out very soon. She's been working on it for like three years or something. But Cafe Lena is actually pretty featured quite heavily in the book. As it, yeah. Yeah. As it so should. it's been 21 years since that Cafe Lena was over. It's been that long? Yes. It started 
1991. So what is that? 31 years ago. We had it for 10 years, so it's been 21 years, which is crazy. No, that that's that doesn't feel like it. But yes, I was alive and going to it back then. Right, right. I know, crazy. And that was before the gluten allergy. Thank God, because we had such great bread. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have one poem about, kind of about it. Okay. Do you want me to just go? Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Okay. It's called Bukowski's Birthday. August 16th, 2021. Charles Bukowski's 101st birthday. March 9th, 1994. The day he died. I was chopping potatoes at Cafe Lena when I heard the news. It was 5.41 in the morning. I sat down and cried for two minutes, which is a long time if you're busy. Then I got back to the potatoes, then chopping the onions, the mushrooms, the peppers, dusting, sweeping, filling the salt and pepper shakers, washing the hot sauce and ketchup bottles. My God, the soup, start the soup, the batters and the special board, the new signs for the pastries, the growing loudness from without, the growing loudness from within. Here they are, they are coming, all the orders. I want to sneak out the back door. I want to leave all those pale green tickets, small flags flapping above the grill, burn scars lined up on my tender arms like abstract buttons and clasps. Steve's eggs, Che eggs, poached eggs, Bukowski's scramble, Colette's French toast, tomato, tomato, make more coffee, prep more batter, slice more bread, crack some egg, grate some cheeses, Jesus. I did love Bukowski's poems back then for a while, but I never, but never the man. That time he hit his wife in that documentary. Bukowski's words are beautiful grit, stones that surrender, blunt clarity, but I do think beauty matters, not just in women and I'm in treatment for bluntness, so I haven't been reading Bukowski. But on his birthday, I picked up Love is a Dog from Hell. Quote, I drive around the streets an inch away from weeping, ashamed of my sentimentality and possible love, unquote. See, I love the weeping and the sentimentality, and now my dog, a dog from heaven, is licking my feet as if I'd walked through beef. You know, my dog looks a little like Charles Bukowski, but with blonder hair and darker eyes and much better behavior. <laughs> I don't know if I've heard that one before. It's newish. I mean, I did write it on his birthday in 2021. Okay, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I've never been the huge, the biggest Bukowski fan. I never. It wasn't my wheelhouse. Really, right. You know, realism really isn't my wheelhouse. I liked, I mean, I liked his clarity because I can't stand poems that you have to have reference books to understand. Yeah. It drives me crazy. So, yeah, yeah. I liked it. But when I saw him hit his wife on that documentary they made, I was like, I get it, you know? No, it's, uh, it's, um, you do have another poem though, or? I have a few more. I don't know how our time is. I have. Um, Probably going to try to 20 minutes total. I actually have three, 
three. We can, and then I have the performance piece. Which, okay. Um, I had I had a poem that was it's dead people, not dead businesses. That's fine. This is a recent poem about Marilyn Monroe that was included in an anthology that just came out about Marilyn Monroe. Um, and well, I'll just read the poem. Whipped cream tort. We seem to eat our lovelies too quickly, like cake. No, we don't like our cake too complicated, but the more icing, the better. We lick our fingers, thumbs last. We lick our sticky lips. This is not subjective. Marilyn Monroe was rich cake. I think a layered tort, layers plumped with thick pillows of white cream. Too bad she made us all so hungry, as if empty or limitless, we gorged on her gorgeousness. Why did we do that? Marilyn Monroe died on my 11th birthday. I had a pool party, Hawaiian themed, my personal favorite. There were crepe paper flowers and lays, barbecued skewers surprisingly red. I wore an orange dress I loved with spaghetti straps. I was tan. That night I got my brother's room. It was an add-on, semi-detached, away from the family fracas. The loudness became ambient out there, not dominant. The back wall was windows looking out on the backyard. There was a swing set, red camellias, and bright California grass. A slice of privacy, usually non-existent, all for me. My mother told me about Marilyn Monroe in the morning. I lay there feeling so sad. I think I was sad for Marilyn. Oh, how we ravenous close our eyes and devour without looking. Oh, again, that's a great ending. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, I have one about, I have this new chapbook. I don't know if it's going to go anywhere, but it's called Planet Mother. I thought I should compile. My mother died like six years ago. All the mother poems into one place. So this is from that, Squinting for Meaning. A small white butterfly appears every time I go in the backyard, a cabbage white. The butterfly follows me around like a puppy. I'm sure it's my mother. She is the only one I know who fluttered like that. It gives me hope. She seems so happy, much happier than she seemed before. The top of an enormous fir tree grows outside my bathtub window. If I squint, I can see almost everything in its branches, especially in the spaces in between. I see my dead dog's face. I'm sure it's her, but she's jumping. She didn't jump in real life. She seems so happy. I see my nanny and Poppy, Sylvia Plath is in that tree, Debbie Reynolds, Raoul Julia, Leonard Cohn, even Chadwick Boseman. There are both my parents again. They're so happy, so light, they frolic. I guess the dead don't remember old darknesses. Monday, there were Clydesdales in that tree doing handstands on crickets. Rhinos wore turbans and tassels. There were hippos smoking cigarettes, a pelican plucked and scarfed fish, no lie. Then Saturday, the branches were in thrall. They were thrusting right into each other, slowly from behind. It was erotic as hell. I tell you, that tree either has phenomenal skills of mimicry or answers. Is that religion? <laughs> that's, 
anyway. That, that's kind of that's pretty fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. In, in both terms, both uses of the term. Thank you. Um, I'm sure we're running out of time. I do have two more. The let me get Steve down here. We'll do the. I'd rather the political one be in than this other one. But okay, we can do know. both of them. And if I have to cut something, I'll cut the other one. Okay, then I'll do this first. This is from um, the husband book, actually, the last poem in the husband, my husband's eyebrows, barbarians. In Bruegel's painting of Icarus and human indifference and Auden's poem about Bruegel's painting of Icarus and human indifference, a boy falls from the sky, but nobody notices. And if they do notice, they don't care. The ships sail by without a blip or a bump. The dogs graze and forage, wiggle and bark. The torturer's house scratch, horse scratches his ass against rough trunks. The mothers buy eggs. The fathers keep trying and not trying to fold. They flex and fart and fatten up. Everyone fattens up except the very old. In this era of the ugly man with tiny hands and human indifference, there is a loudness from the rooftops. A man was shouting up there, throwing dollars that turned out to be oily and fake. The crowd was grunting and screaming. There were fifties and hundreds that were stuffed in that man's mouth. Bills were falling from his pockets, but he was so fat it was hard to tell which bulge was fat and which was money. The ugly man's words are dirt clods, dark and rocky. Sometimes, somehow, they sound glossy, look glossy, like marbles if the sun's out, they catch the eye and ear as if they're worth something, but they're not. They're dirt clods that got lucky in the light. What if a country falls from the sky, I ask my husband, and nobody notices but the crows. They gather by the thousands and shit all over us, it's their final cry. Once I saw a crow fall from the sky, but I was busy with my babies in my arms and I was searching for barbarians. I'm always searching for barbarians. I see them now, one and another. Thank God none are my husband. Wow. Okay, Steve. Here he is. Okay, let's try this. <clears throat> I've been dying to do this, um, and I haven't read it anywhere. It's called To Grapple. Grapple, to confront, contend, attack, battle, catch, flash, clasp, clutch, grip, grasp, snatch, tackle, scuffle, tussle, grapple, I grapple, I grapple and grapple, see you grapple too, but I, I bet I grapple way better than you do, I mean I wear grappling like a cardigan sweater, I grapple for warmth. My father, Grable, he was the best grappler of all, the loudest grappler, the most persistent grappler, the king of the grapple, Grable the grappler. 
I must have learned it from him. Lately, of course, I've been grappling with pandemics, but I'm not talking about the pandemic. I'm talking about the other pandemics. They seem more insidious, insidious, such a lyrical word for such evil. I'm talking about the lying pandemic and the denying pandemic, and I'm talking about the ignorance pandemic and the adoration of ignorance pandemic. I'm talking about the sleazy grifter pandemic, the adoration of sleazy grifters pandemic, the ignorance pandemic, and the lying pandemic. Oh, wait, I already said that. I'm grappling with the fake Christian pandemic, the fake patriot pandemic, the fake pro-life pandemic, the are you freaking kidding me pandemic. There's the big-bellied loud guys pandemic, in love with their bellies, acting like bullies pandemic, the gaunt pasty white guys in bulky vest pandemic, splotchy backpacks full of long guns and ammo pandemic, bought as easily as gum pandemic, the killing pandemic. And then there's the fervently grappling for solution pandemic. The how can we stop them pandemic. A bunch of pipsqueaks like us madly grappling. The hate education pandemic. The hate intelligence pandemic. The hate integrity pandemic. The hate elegance pandemic. It's getting uglier pandemic. It's going backwards pandemic. It's going downwards pandemic. And I hate them pandemic. But don't say hate pandemic. Try kindness pandemic. Feel terrible if you fail at kindness pandemic. But I hate them. I inch sideways now to the left. I take funny little steps as if walking blindfold on a ledge with dry rod or on a minefield. Sometimes I wear a cone now when I go out for protection and secrecy. I take the hidden path right through the forest, even though I'm spooked by forests, and I'm spooked by hidden paths, those monster plants and titanic trees, fat coldness bragging and lashing. Turn on the light, I scream to the lady ferns. Turn the light on the lies, I scream to the pine trees. Turn the light on the light. Then I press my head against a tree truck, trunk, waiting for the other shoe to drop. There's the waiting for the other shoe to drop pandemic. Turn the light on the light. Kind of messed it up. But anyway. Wow. Okay. You want to add or. And Steve can chime in too, as we know well right now. Steve, you want to say anything about Cafe Lena's, the death of Cafe Lena? It's kind of the theme. The theme of the show is sort of dead businesses. So at the beginning, we talked about the cafe. Are we happy it's over? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't regret it, but you know, it was exhausting, I will say, it towards the end. And, um, you know, then I was in a car accident towards the towards the end a little bit, and messed me up. So it certainly confirmed and reaffirmed the idea that yeah, it was time to go. Guess yeah, move along. <laughs> it was hard. Yeah, it was, it was really hard. You know, it was a great group. 
you know, we had a great core group of employees there that I, I cherish to this day. I feel like I raised another 10 kids in a way, you know. Um, but yeah, no, it was, wasn't as hard to let go as I thought it was. I mean, it was a big void in my life when it wasn't there, but you know, I, I, yeah, I, I was exhausted. And I didn't, probably didn't realize how exhausted I was until I stopped doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and then you heard that Kelly Jo Phelps just died. I, yeah, I heard he just passed away. So that, so that was kind of cool in that the people involved with the cafe kind of got back in touch with each other. And, yeah, that was heartbreaking to hear. Yeah. No, it was just terrible. Yeah. I was pretty surprised. No kidding, yeah. no kidding. Yeah. I know. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, in a way that kind of gives hope to the people like me who just, you know, are the, the thing that was taking up so much time in our lives fell apart. Right. But, you know, maybe it's not the end of the world. Right. No, no. My life got way better when I, you know, I rejuvenated my teaching credential and got into teaching those locked up kids and wrote that bad girls book and, you know, Things got better, way better. Well, yeah. I just when, Marty when Marty Christensen was ordering me around to get a cup of coffee, the first reading, I was like, "I'm out of here. I'm not doing this." You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't know him that well, but I knew he could kind of do that. Right. <laughs> I'm just gonna say thank you, Leanne. Thank you, Steve, for coming on the show. Thank you. Uh, and best best of luck to your future projects that are coming out. But yeah. Thank you again. Thanks, Leanne. Thanks, Steve, for coming on the show. I loved your cat and love to Melissa. My next guest on this episode of Talking Earth is Aria Imig. Aria worked with me at the now defunct Everyday Music Store on Sandy Boulevard, which we're not sure if the building is still standing or not. We, we were led to believe it would have been destroyed a month ago, but I went by there a week ago and it was not. Before Aria was working there, he had booked shows at places like Backspace and Valentine's. Recently, he read his poetry at the reading series Surprise Surprise at Kelly's Olympian. Now let's get to it, Aria. Hi, Patrick. Hey. I have to tell you, I could see the building today. I was like, uh, I waited at the bus stop on 16th and Sandy our old haunt bus stop over there because I'm pet sitting in that neighborhood and I could see that blue building in the distance. So it's there, it's imminent destruction was uh, largely exaggerated it would seem for now. Yeah. For, so, it's got it's definitely got a lot of graffiti though on it. I've also seen like a picture of the inside of the building which is looking uh, worse for where Bill sent me a photo, our former coworker. Oh. So I can share that with you. Okay. You know, in a second here. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, wow. thank you for having me on. I'm very honored to be on the Talking Earth program here on KBOOT. Th thanks for coming on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, before I ask anything, do you want to read a poem before I ask uh, questions? or? Oh, sure. Yeah, I'll read a poem. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. I happen to have one that I've written exclusively for this uh, program and this particular broadcast. Um, it's called City Changes, and I will try not to choke up while I read it. City changes. What's with all the tents and trailers? Are they filming a movie here? Not unless that movie is John Carpenter's 1988 They Live, starring Rowdy Roddy Piper and the great Keith David. Give me a hammer and chisel, some wood, 
and some of that good old-fashioned schnitzer steel, for I should like to make some plaques and engrave them on the graves of places in the city where people made things happen. 115 Northwest 5th, 110 North Failing, 232 Southwest Ankeny, 1931 Northeast Sandy Boulevard. We first made eye contact here, exchanged words, shook hands, had a bright idea, lost our cool, found ourselves. Dreams are born and they breathe, they live and they run their course. We're all just spirits. I think Sting said that. Places and people come and go. Animals come and go too. Animals are people too. Some part of them floats on, a dandelion clock on the breeze. Maybe it's like Casey said. On a scrap of paper, paper now, on a scrap of paper, now lost to history, the words were written, I swear to God, I'll never do it again. A pinky swear was taken, and I have kept my promise. If you were to tear down this wall, maybe you'd find that promise, and so many more. They are now carried across the city by the winds. I almost made it. Oh. <laughs> and then the, the other thing is, is we recorded this before, but unfortunately, uh, the Aeolian winds decided, the Aeolian harp decided that it was more important that it played on the recorder than our own voices, which uh, uh, I'm always learning. I've been doing this for a while. I'm still learning how to do sound. But uh, yeah, no, it's moving. Aria. Thank you. And I it's just, uh, we're, and we're a month out from. Uh, yeah, we're a month our, out from the last day at the store. And our, and our yeah. journey. Yeah. From. Uh, You've gone on a journey. I went to Dub I went to Ireland for ten days, and I had a really great time. It was really uh, transformative and uh, renewing. Re it's a good reset to be out of out of the states, for God's sake, you know. Yeah. And all that. So just see a completely, you know, a different lifestyle, a different way of living over there, and I really appreciate, and I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to do that. No, that sounds awesome. That's uh. Yeah, did it get? Does it give you any perspective on how things are in this city? Like, uh, I think last the last time we recorded that no one will hear um, because I can't salvage the sound. Unfortunately, we discussed uh, Jane Jacobs and uh, uh, basically the way cities are held together. Basically, basically that you need a this small businesses to be supported uh, to keep the kind of keep the peace in a lot of ways. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, there was, you know, a f few chains that we saw over there, but the we is my best friend and I who made the trip. But largely, you know, it was, uh, you know, towns that were unique to the cities we were staying in that will, you know, that I'll only see again if I go back there. And I hope that they're still there. Um, you know, there was definitely some American chains that had made their way over there as they've made their way almost everywhere that I've been to on the on the on this planet yeah and stuff like that and that's that's probably a little frustrating the Irish people themselves yeah yeah but you know there is certainly a lot of really good food and you know so like the question as far as this city I guess and like what what is different about this city in comparison to say Dublin which was which is the largest city in Ireland and it was certainly the biggest city that I was in in Ireland as a result of that um, I don't know I mean the country as a whole seems to really 
care about its people, its animals. Um, there's a lot of uh, reverence for animals that I saw there, like swans were a part of the Dublin cityscape. They weren't treated like pests or invasive species and stuff. Oh. And uh, there's some interesting uh, ancient Celtic myths surrounding why they have that reverence for swans and stuff like that. But, you know, I mean, I don't know, compare and contrast that with like the geese population here, which it's, can feel a bit much at times, or, you know, I mean, they, they were here first, you know? Yeah, well, so. it, I mean, yeah, it, it's funny that uh, I used to work out at the Beaverton Everton Music, which is also closed. And uh, I got to see uh, geese, like, blocking the road and looking at the car like, I'm here and you, you don't get to move. Yeah. You know, and then also there, you know, but people seem to, like, be a little more fond or uh, let them be kind of with the geese. But the nutrias people were not down with, but they're also an invasive species. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're recording here, and there's a squirrel and uh, birds chirping around. Yeah, some super cool birds just right here on the park blocks. Yeah, right by the schnitzer. Right by the schnitzer. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I think the message I always take away from traveling is, like, whatever I liked about somewhere else, how can I, like, recreate that where I live and sort of, like, harness that energy and, like, kind of, uh, you know, uh, propagate that energy or whatever? So, yeah. do you feel like Dublin or the cities you the places you visit in Ireland is there there's not a, like a lot of empty buildings or um or is there a little bit of that too maybe a few but largely yeah no there was definitely like some stuff that was for lease you know in different places and boarded up or papered up but you know I think tourism's coming back for them and stuff like that it was pretty busy in the airports and stuff like that so people are coming and going um yeah yeah i have to say i'm probably a little less uh the space of a month has allowed me to be a little less upset over the demolishment of uh that uh, that building and everything music even though it's not the building's not even demolished yet uh but the uh it still upsets me a little bit how you know i'll I'll walk around like Old Town where I live and there's like a bunch of places that are boarded up and it's just not conducive to a uh, safe and pleasant cityscape. For sure. Yeah. I don't know. I have my theories about where Portland's at and what its leadership prioritizes and why, but... I get a little heated about it, you know? Well, I'm, I'm fine with you yeah, being a little heated. Yeah, I mean, we you know. We do have a little bit, a little bit of time, but not much. Yeah. But, I, but, yeah. And, I yeah. mean, I'm on Walt's show all the time, so people know where I'm coming from no matter what. So it would yeah. be interesting to hear your point of view. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what constitutes uh, slander or whatever, but I don't know. I think there's some people around here who have a lot more power than I do, Uh you know, we all have our own unique brand of power, but I don't know. Should the developers really be in charge of the city? I don't think so. I agree with you on that one. And I think that's something that's been kind of a runaway train for the last 20 years, and yeah. more so and more so, like, as those years pile up and stuff, 
so yeah well my I mean I've actually stated this on Walt show once I, I don't know if I edited it out or not yeah but I kind of blame Vera Katz for the mm. 2020 plan which no one else in this town would mm -hmm. but I think a, a lot of what's happened is that the uh, things have been built up but those a lot of those places are not necessarily that full right and then uh, other places are, have been kind of shoved aside or like whereas I think I think uh, any a city that's functioning well has uh, an assortment of different uh, buildings, like the diversity of styles as well as age of the buildings. Yeah. Uh, and the mixed buildings. uses. Yeah, mixed uses. And a lot of developer or not developers necessarily, maybe not developers, but like people who plan cities don't believe in mixed use either, mm. and they kind of have these utopian dreams that do not work but I'm, a, I'm kind of a skeptical almost to the point of being a cynic so yeah know. I mean the question I feel like I've been asking myself since 2016 about the city is like you know as things have rapidly progressed quote unquote with regards to development is like can the people who made this city attractive through their creativity through their music and their art and their writing is there still a place for them because I feel like some of that energy is what made this city attractive to people who maybe came from smaller cities and wanted to move somewhere where there was a scene that would have a place for them. Or they moved, like I moved from New York right. over, well over 20 years ago and I was happy to find a city that I could afford the rent in. Right. That, that said, uh, back then, you know, there wasn't much going on on like on a Sunday, you know, you know right. unless the X-Ray Cafe was doing something. Which, I mean, the x-ray didn't last that long, sure. unfortunately. But, um, but yeah, there's, a, like, a huge history of Portland that is unknown, almost. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's more recent parts of it that are known, but they get may get uh, spackled over. What if I read another poem? That would be great. I'm going to look it up. Do you know about the vortex that exists around the Portland area? and how it holds some of us here with its pole? You hear it mentioned more than once over the years and you start to wonder. I tried to look it up, but I think they ruined the internet. There's only like three websites now, so you can't even Google the truth anymore, man. Thanks a lot, Bezos. But think about it, man. Our Rose City, Rip City, Bridge City, there must be something in the way she moves, something in her grip. Maybe it's not so bad. Maybe it's a nice place. Maybe if we're held here, we're meant to be guardians of the best of what it has to offer. Ambassadors and tour guides, old heads, historians of what was once on that corner and what was once on that block, handing down the stones and stories passed on to us by our elders. Whether you stayed for family or friends or other fates, you've been a student of the mist and now you are a teacher. We can take some pride in our contributions to our community, honor the best of our lineage as we stand tall in the wake of their wave maintain the glow our faces run with, spread the brightness, all our finest vintage dealers preserving memories, extending moments. We can heat ourselves and light the way. We can take care of those who stick their hands into the fire and be careful not to burn ourselves. Where once you were a seedling, your strong roots now run deep. You must be an evergreen stalwart. The solemn duty to keep the hearth burning here, to carry the torch, you can transform it into a great joy, my friend, for it's our great honor. 
just be the guardians of grace. It's a weird thing to get choked up to your own poem, but it happens to me sometimes. Oh, you know what I used to do at the Poetry Slam back in the 90s? What's that? Start laughing at my own poem. <laughs> that doesn't work. That doesn't get you a good score. Yeah. Yeah. But, but anyway, I, that felt relevant to some of what we were talking about. Oh, it's definitely relevant. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I mean, perhaps I should be a little more optimistic. I don't know. Somebody told me once that, you know, we sort of create our world and everything that we do, basically. You know, all our actions add up to the world around us. Whatever small or big that might be, you know? So, I've always kind of believed that. There's a certain amount of. uh, There's only so much we can do, of course, but there's also so much we can do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was like watching a YouTube video about astronomy so that made me think of how small the I mean there's sure. the, how small the earth is as seen by Voyager now which yeah. isn't even that far away in astronomical terms yeah to the point where yeah how small am I but uh, you can make a little bit of a difference that's a big dog There's still big dogs walking, people walking around in this town. There's still hope for it yet. Appreciate Always. Always. Hope for the rebirth. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I was just devastated by the loss of the star. It was, uh, I just, uh, you know. So, (laughs) with this this time and and the distance away and stuff, what I saw is like a loss. I see it as an opportunity now. So that's where I'm at. I'm kind of seeing it a little bit as an opportunity, but I still got... I don't know if I... Maybe I was devastated, but it was different. I was more like... It made me angry. Yeah. Which isn't necessarily the best thing. Yeah. And I think... It depends on what you do with the anger. Well, I also yeah. was reading about how anger is a cover for other emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, may not be at the spot you're in. At least you read Sorrow first, and then you. I mean, I was definitely. Then you visited Ireland, so. (laughs) So you know, do I wish it was still there? Of course, you know. Even if I wasn't working there, I wish it was still there. Yeah, exactly. That was kind of always how I thought it would go down. As I'd maybe find somewhere else, and then be able to come back and see my friends, my coworkers, customers spent throw a little money in the way of the store and stuff now I gotta shop downtown yeah but no. it's, that's not so bad no the, the downtown store is good it is yeah I was in there um, a little before the trip and uh, looking pretty good you know that was my first EM it was the first EM yeah so yeah well thanks for coming on thanks for coming on a second time Aria yeah of course anytime I hope to uh Hope to do this again, and yeah. thanks for everything, Patrick. Yeah, thank you. Aria Amick. We're listening to KBO Portland, 90.7 in your FM dial. This is Talking Earth. I would like to thank Stephen Meads, Aria Imig, Leanne Grable, and Steve Sander for coming on the show. I apologize, apologize to those I was hoping to have on that I did not have time for. Um, perhaps we may have bonus audio that I'm going to try to set on the website kbo.fm. Thank you and good night.